This is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This is episode 175 where I interview Trip of Trip Advice. And I'm very excited today that I have a special guest co-host with me, Kayvon. How you doing? Hello, Ari. I am doing very good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, so for those who don't know who Kayvon is, Kayvon is a, a member of the Less Doing Mastermind. He is also a Less Doing Certified Coach and he has his own coaching program called The Soul Focus. And why don't you tell everybody what that is? Thank you, Ari. Um, Soul Focus is my coaching program. After years of uh, studying entrepreneurship and marketing and related material that I am very interested in, and I found myself always having meetings and you know um, coffee meetings with my friends and fellow entrepreneurs, talking about business and growing their business. I realized more that I like this more and more. I am always energized by it. I always lose track of time. And I decided to make this my full-time activity. So I'm working with entrepreneurs. I call it entrepreneurial coaching. That means it's a bit different from business coaching. I work on the person himself or herself. Um, for entrepreneurial you know, activities, we, in my opinion, we need two things. Entrepreneurial mindset and practice. It means there are many thought patterns that they need to, need to be changed or upgraded, <laughs> for the lack of a better word, and also making sure that they are implemented. Um, then we will get to business as well, but that's the main focus, and uh, um, I like to work with entrepreneurs more than anything else. It is being divided into three type of um, coaching activities. One is just entrepreneurial coaching, and we get them to talk about themselves and their business. Another one is about getting things done as much as possible, so accountability coaching. And with all the things that I learned from you and other sources, I also do productivity coaching. So that's how I help entrepreneurs. Yeah, and that's awesome. And, I, and, and by the way, I think that it's important to make that distinction that you're focusing on the person rather than the company, because especially in today's world where you can literally start a, a, a new company every day with no money if you wanted to, depending on what yes. you're doing, then yeah, you really do have to look at the person behind it because we can go through ideas a lot quicker than we used to. Exactly. At the same time, as you said, you know, it's much easier to start companies and there are so many tools and you know strategies available. We can give people the best tools and strategies, but if the person is not thinking entrepreneurially, you know how good those tools and activities can be uh, taking advantage of. Yeah, and and actually, you know, it's funny. So we, we have a mutual friend, uh, Nick of Calvin App, and he's been on mm -hmm. the podcast many times. And and I'm an advisor to Calvin, and I think it's a a, a great app, and I think it's going to be a successful company, but. Every other conversation I have with Nick, I'm usually like, you know, what's the next idea? <laughs> uh -huh, yes, I know. So yes. it's, 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 it's important to make that distinction. Well, anyway, so thank you for being on. So can I share some cool stuff with you? Sure, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, well, well for, first of all, you know, you, you told me a few minutes ago that you basically just had a sip of water so far this morning. I mm -hmm. tried out a new product that was sent to me yesterday called Ambronite. And uh, Ambronite sounds like it's a... Uh, like it's something out of Superman, but it is basically, yeah. um, have you seen Soylent, the, the meal replacement stuff, Soylent? No, I haven't. Okay, so that came out a while ago, and it was supposed to be like, and it's doing well with certain people, but it's basically, it looks like a protein shake, but it's, it's supposed to be everything you need, you know, in, in like nutritionally. Um, so Ambronite is, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, an improvement on that. So essentially, it's a packet. And it, it looks like a protein shake, but it's uh, it's a pretty significant quantity of it. And each drink is 500 calories. Uh, and oh. it's it's really supposed to be an actual meal replacement with all of the vitamins and minerals that you need. 
And it's cool because it's actually made from all sorts of whole foods and like you recognize the ingredients, you know, like there's almonds in it and uh, spirulina and spinach and uh, Brazil nuts and things like that. And it tastes kind of like unsweetened almond milk, which is another thing. There's no sugar added to it, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had that this morning and I have to say it was actually really filling. I was very surprised. Good. And did you say it's in powder format? I put it in my shake? Or yeah, it's, is it it's powder format. Already? No, no, it's powder oh, format. So you yeah. just add water to it or whatever Got you want. It. Nice. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be throwing out my food anytime soon, but it's a nice thing to have for travel at least. It's really interesting because uh, it's, it's just a good way to sort of make sure that you're getting all the things yeah. you need. Um, Okay, so I just finished playing around with this thing. Do you do any mind mapping ever, like visual mind mapping stuff? I do, a lot. Do you use any kind of software for it? or? or, or? What I like, the software that I like that I have been using for many years is called XMind. Oh, yeah, XMind's great. Yes. Uh, So the one I was playing around with this morning is called text2mindmap.com with the the number two. And it's very cool because what it does is you create the mind map entirely by text. So oh. what you do is like you write the you write the main like the center and then the next line down you indent and that's the next category and then below that you can indent again and that becomes the branches off of that thing. Um, right. So you end up just writing a list and then it it turns it into a visual mind map and it's really cool. I have to say like it's uh, I'm pretty impressed. Nice. So the first part is it text or txt to mind map? T e x t. I yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, so this is very, very cool because uh, it, it, it's honestly like it's the fastest I've ever created a mind map, I have to say. Oh. <laughs> so this is this is really neat. And what I, I just did one just for fun that was a, a my, it's like a map of the various less doing programs. So cool. uh, it looks pretty cool. That's a good one because um, I, I always was looking, uh, I was looking for something like this. Uh, I liked XMind because it's platform independent, but I were I never found um, a solution that I can do it anywhere on my mobile or anything, and they were all so slow and so hard to work with. So this seems like a good option. Yeah, I think so. So um, okay, so then the next one, this is you, I think you like this one too. This is called Body What, um, BodyWhat.com, and it does. Uh, body fat analysis from pictures that you take of yourself. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's a great idea. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and it basically creates a a three D model of your body based on the, the various pictures it tells you to take, and claims to have a pretty good accurate or a pretty good um, estimate of your body fat. I'm trying that today. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, you can report back. I think this was pretty interesting. Uh, I haven't done a body fat test in a long time, but the last time I did it, I was at like 11%. And honestly, I, personally, I don't think that that's the healthiest thing to do. Like a lot, you know, bodybuilders are down to like eight or 7%. Uh, yes. I think 14% is probably a really healthy body fat. For me, 11%, like I was having, I wasn't sleeping very well and my I was cold all the time. Yeah. So. Anyway, but this is, this is pretty neat. It's a different way to do it. Yeah, people at the gym always ask me about body fat because when we talk about our health journey, I tell them the story that you know my daughter asked me to do everything I can to stay around as long as possible. Right. And the main index to that is body fat percentage. So in, in when I, a few years ago when I started to um, you know, work out and be healthy, I was able to bring my body fat percentage from... 35% to 25%, 10%, and that you know helps a lot as far as staying around as long as possible. So other people ask me always about it, and uh, I, I tell them about different ways that they can measure their body fat easily, and uh, one thing to remember is to always measure it the same method, because yes. switching between methods, we get such different results, and this seems to be a good option, that because every other method either... Uh, in required for them to go to some center or buy some device. So this sounds interesting. Yeah, and that is a very good point, by the way, about uh, using the same method because what I find is that even if the number isn't necessarily accurate, a lot of times the change will be accurate. You know, exactly. So, so right. So like a scale might say that you're sixteen percent body fat, and the calipers might say that you're fourteen percent. That, but and that's not so important. 
as long as you use the same method because then if you drop a percentage or two in body fat, they should be accurate. Yeah, it's the progress. It's to keep track. Exactly. It's, it's the delta. Yes. So, uh, okay, cool. Uh, okay, so now the next one. Uh, there is an article at, uh, over at TechCrunch. There was an article called The Six Things the Most Productive People Do Every Day. And I love these articles because uh, I, I tend to agree with half of the things and I tend mm-hmm. to disagree with half of the things. But uh, th- this one actually was pretty good. Uh, one, they said that uh, productive people read on average uh, yes. m- more. They sleep, which, by the way, is, I think, a good thing to point out. It, fortunately, I feel like we've moved away from this trend of being proud of not sleeping, you know. <laughs> uh, and I used to be one of those people who was like, "Yeah, I'm four or five hours a night, and I'm fine." And and you know, I wasn't really fine, and that's it's just that's not sustainable. So, uh-huh. uh, so that was really cool. Uh, and then they also said that they uh, they eat at home, which I thought was good as well. So whether they're cooking oh. themselves or they're just they're but they're eating at home. That I thought was a good point, a good thing to point it's, out. Yeah, it is a good point, and I never thought about it, even though it is part of daily life. But I never thought about that as a, you know, productivity point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the, the there's a bunch of others, but the the last one that I thought was interesting was that they the and I, this is what I don't agree with. I, they said no news, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically they said the people who are really productive and they're they're into what they're doing, they don't. They don't watch TV. They don't read the news, and uh, they don't like they don't follow current events. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I I, I fit that category. Like it, I get a lot of crap from my my family and my my wife even about this that I I don't often know what's going on in the news because I don't know. It just it doesn't interest me a lot of times. Like I'm not political. Yeah. I you know obviously I follow big big things that are happening, but. I, I focus my efforts elsewhere. So I don't know about that one. It's an interesting one. I, I, like to me, I would be surprised if Steve, jo- like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Warren Buffett were not listening or reading the news. You know? Yeah. But, well, well, they, they have their efforts focused on world events as well. But I'm like you. I have I don't watch news either. Um, it's interesting for you to know that I can only recall two times in my whole life that I watched news. You know, and I have never read a newspaper. I, I, from early age, when I was a you know little boy, I realized for I don't know for one re- for some reason I realized I don't like news. So I have never yeah. watched news. I don't you know read newspapers. And you know what? My life is fine. And not I'm not saying that I'm I don't know what's going on because especially in this world with social media, you will find out what's happening because of people's posts. But I don't really have to spend so much energy to follow up with it because it is energy spent in on that and it's gone. Uh, in my opinion, there are two types of news. The ones that they you know affect my life and the ones that they do not affect my life. If they do not, not affect my life, why do I want to spend any time and energy to follow them? And if they do affect my life, don't worry, the news will find me. So I still don't have to go after it. Yeah, right. That's a good point too. It's like if it if it's important enough, it will find its way to you somehow. Yeah. So good. Well, I'm glad glad you agree with that. Uh, okay. So the next one is uh, there's an article at uh, Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which is honestly like my favorite website ever. Eric Barker runs this site, and essentially, I, from what I can tell, the guy just sits and reads studies all day long, and then basically pulls out. The best nuggets. So uh, this one is called "How to Improve Your Writing: Five Secrets from Hollywood." And uh, writing is one of those things that I think is just—it's like so unnatural, and you really have to work at it to get good at it. And a, a lot of people, you can write and just and and get published and not necessarily be a good writer. And I'm not saying that I am a good writer. I don't I don't think that I'm a particularly good writer actually, but uh, it's something that I have worked on. So. Um, this is all about how to improve your uh, writing, and they give, I think, five different, five different tips basically. But there was one that I, I, I particularly wanted to pull out that I thought was good, and this was they they took these from the guy who wrote uh, Fight Club, I believe. So uh, the mm-hmm. first one is basically it's how to write like a professional, and it says when you're writing, if you're super happy and having a fun time, you're probably doing something wrong. 
Good writing, good writing means being a perfectionist, and that means being at least semi-miserable. But that's a good thing. Perfectionism leads to rewriting. Now you can get so depressed over writing that you get in your own way, but a happy writer probably isn't pushing themselves hard enough. Now, I thought that was really interesting yeah. uh, because... I don't like writing. Like I never, even when I, I'm writing something that I'm like excited about, I really don't enjoy it that much. Um, I, I much prefer to be on a podcast like this, talking to someone like you. But also, I am totally that kind of person who will write something and then publish it and never look at it again. So yes. this is, it's, I think it's a good point. It's like if you're, if you're having too much yeah, fun, I, you're doing I, it wrong. I, you know, I kind of agree with that. Going back to the, this conversation about entrepreneurship, this is very similar. Uh, both require your creativity and creativity is about solving the problem. So if you have a point in your writing, you're addressing something, you're trying to make something better, which is entrepreneurship. And the first ingredient of creativity that is going to make stuff better is being disturbed, being unsatisfied with, with something. Yeah, and that could be your own happy writing. You know, um, when we have, when we, just like the question you ask Nick, What's next? You know, because it's easy to talk about what's going on right now and just talk, talk, talk. But how can we take this to the next level, which is getting a little bit out of our comfort zone, feeling uncomfortable, feeling not satisfied, and then our creativity juices start to to, to kick in. So I like that. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a good assessment. Uh, okay, so the next one is a a new app called uh, Get. It's called Help. Uh, and this is one of many, many different virtual assistant services. It's gethelp.mobi. Uh -huh. And it's all done by via the app. Uh, but what's interesting about this one, so this is like Fancy Hands. It's like virtual. It's a, vir it's a virtual assistant service. They can order things for you. They can buy things. They can do call scheduling. Uh, but they charge 15 cents per minute. For while they're doing the task? While they're doing the task, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's fascinating to me uh, because you look at you know any virtual assistant service and and you can certainly I mean they're, they're, I I think that they're very very affordable for what you're getting and, and for the potential that you get from them but I I've, I've never seen one that charged by the minute before yes. so this this is very transparent honestly like you get to see yes. really how much time they're spending on things and. What I like about that is that something like Fancy Hands, actually most virtual assistant services will consider a task, uh, you know, 20 minutes basically. And they'll charge you for a task. And the thing is, is a task could take them two minutes or it could take them 19 and a half minutes and it's still the same quote unquote task. But in this case, you, if they're charging you by the minute, not only are you probably getting a better price, but you have a much more realistic sense of how long things take. Yes. Which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to find out what is the break-even point. You know, comparing it to to um, fancy hands, and also if we can keep track of what's happening right here. After a while, you, you see the trend of how long tasks ta tasks take, and it would be very valuable data in future plans. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, for anyone wants to try this, is an app called uh, Help. So uh, now there is a, an article from Dr. Mercola, and it's called The Science Behind Food Addiction and Helpful Tools on the Path to Recovery. And there's not too much for me to get into here. I mean, I've discussed this before, but I really wanted to share this because uh, food addiction is an absolutely real thing, uh, sugar in particular, and I've talked many times about my struggles with sugar, and it is uh, sugar specifically is very, very similar to the effect on the brain that cocaine has. And this, it's just a really good article about the, what, what can lead to food addiction and how to deal with it. And one of the things that they recommend, which I, I love that this is a recommendation and I totally get it, is intermittent fasting. So, uh, you know, Kayvon, you just had a sip of water this morning. You're essentially fasted right now. Yes. And that can really reset your insulin resistance. It's, it's kind of amazing. And I, I, have, I, I basically do intermittent fasting seasonally. So I won't do intermittent fasting in the warm months, but in the colder months, I tend to do more intermittent fasting. And, yeah. uh, and that really works very well for me. And it's true. It really it does set you up, I think, for, for a better relationship with your food, specifically mm. sugar. Right. So anyway, it's a, it's a great article. There's a video presentation that is, is really worth looking at. 
Um, okay, so then the next one, there's actually an article over at American Express, and this one is called uh, The Power of Standardizing Processes, Five Ways to Squeeze More Minutes Out of Your Busy Day. Now, here at Less Doing, we are very big fans of creating the manual of you and identifying the processes that we go through on a regular basis, breaking them down, and optimizing, automating, and outsourcing them as much as possible. And they talk about that here. And, you know, these articles that are written for websites like American Express, for example, are, you know, they're, they're, they're not written for the people who are necessarily going to get into the tech aspect of this and just go with it. They're, they're really, this is a lot more sort of marketing stuff. But yeah. one of the things they talk about is using canned emails, which is something that I have, haven't talked about in a while, actually. And essentially, you know, if you're, if you end up sending emails that have very similar things in them, whether it's your biography or information about a product you sell, whatever it might be, the possibility of you having canned emails is really good. And if you're using Gmail, you can use the built-in canned email service uh, but then there's another one called, uh, is it Get Parrot? Hold on, let me see if that's what it's called. Parrot uh, email. I think it's Get Parrot. Mm, no, I'll, I'll have to put it in the show notes so everyone can check that out. But it's something that it, it goes beyond canned responses where you can put in different pieces of content and blog posts and uh, mm-hmm. images if you want. But uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's a very good point, obviously, and it's something that I recommend too. Yeah, talking about canned messages, um, being on different social media networks like LinkedIn and Facebook and you know all different ones, you get, um, I guess, friend or connection invitations from other people, and I just I don't want it to be just yes accept you know if somebody's a stranger or a second level contact. So I have this little message in my text expander actually. So it's in my browser, I can use it in any of the social medias that, you know, just says, thank you for requesting the connection. I'm glad that we're connected. And I ask him a question, what new and exciting project are you working on right now? And I think that's a great conversation starter and you get to know about people. So um, Text Expander is one of the main uh, methods that I use, canned messages. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, the, okay, so then there, the last article I want to share, there's a guy named Mark Manson, and uh, he's a really interesting uh, blogger on productivity and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, I've actually had Drew Burney on the show, and Drew is Mark's like head researcher. So basically anytime Mark finds a, a study or something, then Drew tears it apart. So I've had, to, I've had Drew on the show before. Uh, and it's a big article, big long article about procrastination. It says everything you wanted to know about procrastination, but we're too lazy to figure out. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in here. There's some really cute graphics. Uh, Kayvon, you should definitely watch the video that he has right up front of this guy doing an overhead barbell split. It's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of insane. Uh, but what he talks about, which I really – uh, like is that he said well he makes this up he said he made up Manson's law his name is Mark Manson and he said Manson's law is the more something threatens your identity the more you will avoid doing it uh, and so for example he says like if you are if you believe that you are only good at or very good at video games, then you will avoid anything that doesn't involve video games, such as taking out the trash or writing a research report, whatever it might be. And so basically what he does is he aligns procrastination with a, sort of a lack of self-worth in some cases and a real, oh. and a real limiting of yourself to say that, you know, this is, it's funny because this is almost contrary in some in, in uh, on the surface of it to something that I talk about with less doing, where I say that the five percent of things that you do on a daily basis are your unique ability, and that's what you want to be focusing on. However, in this case, what he's saying is that some people can take that kind of mindset mindset too far and basically say, "This is what I'm good at." And so I, I don't want to even consider doing anything else that has no relation in my mind to that. And you know so, I, that makes total sense because procrastination is a is an emotional fear, basically, where you don't want to do whatever it is that you need to get done. And you could see how somebody who thinks that they are they should be writing or they should be doing something that means that they shouldn't be taking out the trash or they shouldn't be doing the 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 podcast or whatever it might be. You know, that, the whole idea of like eating the frog, right? You 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 know about that concept, yes. right? Um, so eating the frog for people who don't know is basically tackling your hardest task first, and that's something that a lot of very productive people do end up doing. 
so like me personally, I do the dishes in our house. Like we don't have a dishwasher actually, and I do the dishes. It's just one of the things that I do. And certainly, I could we could buy a dishwasher, or we could hire a maid to do our dishes for us. But I think that those are it's an important moment for me to sort of like ground myself, reflect. It's actually kind of meditative. But it'd be very easy for somebody to just let the dishes pile up because in their mind, like it's it's distracting from the thing that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I agree with that. And it reminds me about what uh, Stephen Pressfield talks about. And uh, the gist of it is when you have fear towards something, that's the thing that you need to do right now. Yeah. You know? And uh, that's pushing your limits. Um, this is something that I am actually doing a lot more these days. You know, From last year, um, I am following that advice more and more. But, you know, I just finished uh, the Alt-MBA program with Seth Golding yes. as part of the inaugural class. And he's, uh, he's always has a lot of emphasis on shipping, that you have to ship. And that was actually my main goal. The one thing that I wanted to get from Alt-MBA was to become <laughs> what I call a good shipper. <laughs> so from a few days ago, I put myself on this challenge of 100 days of shipping, that I have to ship something uh -huh. every day. And I think I'm on day six or so, and uh, um, I posted on our um, Alt-MBA um, private Facebook group the, the things that I ship every day, but people on social media see it. So it could be a blog post, could be a picture with a little bit of a question. You saw one the other day. If, if you could remove every task, what tasks would you remove if you could only work one hour per day? You saw that one. So that was something that I thought of and I shipped it that day. We are recording this podcast and this is what I am shipping today because it's going to go out there. You know, it's, you know, it's going to be seen and heard by other people. And uh, I, you know, I shipped some things. Part of me is out there and people are seeing it. So I think um, you're helping me today with, with what I'm shipping today. So 100 days of shipping in a row. It could be one little thing, but it needs to be done. I love that. Love that. Uh, okay, so uh, that's that's all the links I have for today. I do want to share one last thing, though. Uh, we've we, I got a nice gift for people from SipSnap. So uh, SipSnap.com, they make a silicone cover that you can put on any cup and turn it into a spill-proof sippy cup for your kids. And I have used these personally with my kids, and they're really cool. Uh, and you can put it on a glass or a plastic cup or really anything, a, jar, a mason jar if you want, and then stick a straw in it and make it into a sippy cup. And oh, the, nice. yeah, so it's just a nice thing. And the people at Sippy Cup have provided me a very, very limited coupon code. So if you are interested, I suggest you grab this as quickly as possible. And the coupon code is the number four ARI. So four ARI to get a couple of free sip snaps. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Kayvon, thank you so much for co hosting. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Okay, great. Thank you. The Less Doing Podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What would you do if you could only work an hour a day? Would you crumble or would you thrive? When I was sick with Crohn's disease, I was faced with that reality because there were days when I literally couldn't eke out more than an hour of work a day. And I had to figure out ways to not only get everything done, but get more done than I was doing before. And that is how Less Doing was born. Less Doing is about you. It's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tips into your life in a short amount of time. Whether you're a crazy busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, we've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actual tips on becoming more productive, sign up for my newsletter over at lessdoing.com. But I want to offer you all something more. As listeners of this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to get on the phone with one of my Less Doing certified coaches. I've trained each one of them myself, and they really know what they're doing. The first call is completely free, and you will get some real advice and tips on how you can be more productive in your life and get back to making things easier again. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the interview. So now I'm speaking with the founder of TripAdvice.com, and his name is Trip. So thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. So let's talk about how you got into this business of uh, dating advice, relationship advice. Where did you get started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it started... Ooh, how far back should I go? I, it started really... Actually, I had a podcast as well that I did with a buddy. And it's funny because I didn't really want to do the podcast, but he insisted that we do a podcast about dating advice because at the time I was doing a lot of dating myself and going out a lot, learning how to meet women, learning how to be more confident. And and he said, let's do a podcast about you know dating advice. This was back in maybe 2009. And I said, okay, let's do it. So start something up. It was called Dude's Talk. Talking about checks. And it was just for fun. I wasn't really planning on doing much with it until it gave a little popularity. But most importantly, I just found that I really had a knack for dating advice and understanding people and, and socializing and evolutionary psychology and things like that. And so I end up, you know, take one step and I said, you know, I, I just really love this dating advice thing. I want to, you know, do something bigger with it. So that was when Trip Advice was born about uh, years ago in 2011. And I uh, just started coaching guys and helping guys understand women and understand the whole dating process and how they can succeed and, and do it in a really authentic way, you know, doing it while still remaining themselves and not compromising who they are, but at the same time, you know, being able to evolve and become more of a man so that they can be that best version of themselves. So I think that's the probably short story of it all. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I am the first person to say that you can pretty much systemize anything. Uh, but this is something that is, is particularly confusing to me, honestly. And it, it, I'm not saying, not saying that you're, you know, necessarily technically systemizing it, but how, how do you take something like dating and create, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, general principles, I guess, you know, that, that, that work that, that people can apply in sort of any situation? Well, I mean, it's really, it really all starts with understanding, I think, what a man is and what a woman is and what creates attraction. So if you understand what creates attraction and, and really what people want and, and what they desire, if you can really understand that to its fullest, well, then you can start working your way to... I don't know, I guess for a lack of a better word, hacking into that. You know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, they, we, we don't take courses when we're kids in understanding human attraction. And we, you know, not all of our fathers and mothers are there to really teach us that stuff, which is kind of sad because <laughs> finding, finding a mate or, you know, getting married is relationships are such a huge part of life. But, you know, and, and when you start understanding that stuff, then you can sort of, systematize it and you can come up with a few rules i was actually just having this conversation the other day with someone they said you know well, do you ever you know break your own rules is are these rules set in stone and some kind of are um but others aren't and i say that because when you really understand how a connection is if you can understand how your if your connection is being made with somebody then you can start to break the rules so i'll give you an example of what i'm talking about you know Please. a girl asked me the other day she said you know um should you you know should you go on a dinner date for the first date you know because my my rule so to speak is is no i, I don't think you should necessarily go on a dinner date on a first date, you know, it's kind I, of a big commitment, right? Like two hours together. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a big commitment. It's kind of like, I always say it's kind of awkward. Like you just met the person now you're eating in front of them. Like, I don't know. Like it's just kind of weird, like better to maybe get a drink or something or, you know, take a walk somewhere, do something like that, you know? But then I, then I thought, okay, well, can you break that rule and can that be okay? And I'm thinking, sure you can, you know? And, and the only way to do that though is, is really by, well, you know, maybe you've connected with this person on such a level or maybe you've been talking to them on the phone a bunch or um, texting them a bunch before your first date and you kind of get this feeling that, hey, like you guys are both kind of into food and you just, you kind of want to have that experience with them. Like some people you actually want to have that like 
I want to sit down to dinner with you. I want to have a meal with you. Like, I think that'd be very enjoyable to do with this person. And you kind of feel like almost in the gut feeling that it's going to be totally okay to do that. So that's kind of what I mean by reading more of what's happening and the connection with the person. And then, yeah, you can veer off and, and, you know, do something else. So I guess here's another example, maybe staying on this topic of, of dates is, you know, you might say, all right, you know, maybe you shouldn't. Uh, my rule with, with kissing a girl on the first date, for example, might be uh, you want to do it. I, I think there's a rule like if it's going really well, you should go for it. You know, they already agreed <laughs> to the date and, you know, they, they like you on some level enough to take the date. You should go for that just so you can make sure you're out of the friend zone. But at the same time, we can break that rule because you got to read how she's, you know, how she's feeling on the date, you know. Do you feel that she likes you? Do you feel like she's comfortable enough? Do you feel like she's made a connection? And in some cases, you know, the physical chemistry is so there. You might even have sex on the first date, which again, I might say, eh, not the best idea, but sometimes it just, it calls for because it's there and you should go for it. So, so I guess all in all, it's like, yeah, there's some rules that I have set in stone that I believe. Um, but, but the biggest thing is, is being able to read the other person and read the interaction and working on your emotional intelligence so you can really, you know, whatever it is, break the rules, keep the rules, just optimize an amazing experience with another person. Well, now, so what about for the initial you know, just approaching somebody. And I mean, and obviously, you know, you're talking about dating and, and that's one thing and this is completely valid, but it happens in networking situations too. And I'm, I'm terrible at it. When the, my best way to network at an event is by being a speaker because then people come up to me and I feel like I've introduced myself, but I find it yeah. excruciatingly difficult to just like walk up to somebody, man or woman, and just like, and even, you know, just say hello. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Listen, I'm the same way. It was always very tough for me. Still is kind of tough for me, I'll admit. You know, I mean, I've gotten over that fear, but it still kind of resides there. Just you get that kind of butterfly in your stomach to go over and talk to somebody new. Um, by the way, that is a great way to become I like that. It's a good tip. If you really want to meet a lot of people and quality people, be the speaker. <laughs> yeah. That's that's genius. But yeah, that's not always the case, right? Like that's not no. always the case for for every situation. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of that comes within practice. You know, there's no secret that I can tell a guy right now that's going to instantly get over their fear of being able to talk to someone. I can give you some pointers and, and say some things like, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, nothing really bad is going to happen from going up and talking to someone. I mean, whatever the worst case scenario you could think of, it will never happen. And I say that from experience and I say that from other people's experiences, but the real advice here is you need to go out and experience it as much as you can. I like to call it systematic desensitization. I did not make up that term. That is a thing. And, uh, and they use that for a lot of things. Um, and you can use it for social anxiety, which is basically, you know, like it says, it's a system for desensitizing yourself to having these uncomfortable conversations. You know, a lot of it's going to be pushing through and doing it a few times and just kind of, you know, ripping the band off, band-aid off really fast to get over it. And then you'll find through your own experience, hey, that's not so bad. You know, it's not so bad to, to go up and say hi to a stranger. You'd find that most people are going to be relieved that you're doing it because they don't want to. So you're in their situation, but you're kind of like a power up you know, being able to do it on your own and, and they're going to be happy that you did it. So, well, so just forgetting that mindset, why would, why are they going to be happy that you did that? Well, they're going to be happy you did it because, well, it depends on the situation. So I guess in terms of networking, I mean, if you're at a networking event, you know, you want to network. Presumably, right. Yes. You know, so it's like, give them that opportunity. You know, I mean, let's just say you, for example, right. And you said it's difficult for you to go up to people and start a conversation. Wouldn't you be so happy if you're just sitting there by the bar and someone came over and said hello to you, you get this like a rush of like, that's why I do uh, speaking. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you can create that. Um, but if you can't do that kind of speaking, you know, offer that to someone else, put it this way. Don't think like, 
this person's judging me and they're waiting and I, it's really, you got to feel like you're, you're doing something for someone else. Like do them a solid by starting the conversation. They're going to be relieved, right? And they're going to think that you're, I mean, the second you go up and approach anyone, a girl, a networking event, you're automatically, here's the cool thing. You're automatically going to be seen as a social guy. There's no way any person is going to think of a person who approached them that this person is really shy and socially awkward. They're going to automatically assume, whoa, this guy knows what he's doing. He's very confident. And it's just by actually doing it, you know? So if, and now if we're talking about maybe approaching a girl, that's another thing is that girls, they want to be approached. They want to meet a man and you're doing, again, same situation. You're doing them a favor because you're offering an opportunity for this woman to meet a man and they want to meet men, presuming that they're heterosexual, right? They want to meet a man and they want to get into a relationship and a lot want to get married. So they're not, most of them are not going to do it and you're giving them that opportunity. So I really tell guys, you know, give them that opportunity, give them that opportunity to meet you because they want to, but it's going to take you going over there and sparking up a conversation. And, and what, what uh, do you find are like one or two good openers for that approach? You know, hi, my name is this. What's yours? <laughs> uh, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go with that one. But you know what? Honestly, like you could really do anything. I hate to, you know, put, you know, a kibosh on, you know, a certain line unless it's completely sleazy and ridiculous. But you'd be surprised sometimes those work too, so I've heard. Uh-huh. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, hi is like one of the best things. Like if you go up to a girl and just say like hi with a big smile, like a very confident smile and your hands aren't in your pockets and you don't look extremely nervous, if you go up to a girl and just say hi, I had to come over and meet you. I mean, that's going to make her blush. She's going to have butterflies in her stomach from that, you know, because most guys don't do that. That's the thing too. Most guys don't do that simple little hello they're looking online and they're trying to find the best pickup lines and the best things to say. And they're listening to maybe this podcast, hoping that I'll say something that they can finally take away. And honestly, if you just go up and you say, hi, I had to come meet you or even something like, Hey, you look, you know, you look nice. I had to come over and meet you. That's all there is. They're not going to remember either. Like if you have a conversation with a girl, she's not going to walk away and and remember how you guys started. She's just going to be like, Oh, he came over to me. We started talking. You know, so you can just spark a conversation that way. Hey, w- you know, what are you up to today? You yeah, know, yeah. What, what are you doing? I think that's a really good point, actually. And you, you know that, I forgot the name of the study, but the one with the Barry Manilow shirts? You know what I'm no. talking about? Okay. No. So this is, this is really funny. It's very relevant. Um, they did this study, and they had uh, college students, like, they, they'd pick one, and they'd have them wear a Barry Manilow shirt, which is uh, obviously the most ridiculous shirt they could think of. And that person then went into, like, a study group, and they, they asked various questions, but essentially what they determined was that we all think that people are paying a lot more attention to us than they are. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, it, it was like, the, oh, it was the spotlight effect is what it was called. So basically you just, it's like, well, if I'm wearing this weird shirt, like everyone's gonna be looking at me. And like, if that person's whispering to the person next to them, they're obviously talking about me. You know, so it's, it's, it's very relevant to what you're saying. You know, it's like, they're not gonna remember like that what you said necessarily or like how you, it's just that you did right and you know what i think it's a lot has to do with our ego right i, I feel like the spotlight effect is happening to us 24 7 you know and it's normal right we we are living in our world and we're the center of it because you know we you know we're taking care of ourselves we're doing the things that we need to do and then there's all this stuff outside of it so you kind of have to get out of that mindset and realize that, well, really, you got to realize that everyone has that, right? Everyone is kind of in their own head. And, and, and that is a piece of advice I also give that guys have to understand. Like, no, people are not paying attention to just you. They're all kind of paying attention to themselves. And that should be almost refreshing in a way that we're all kind of walking around this earth, kind of doing the things that we need to do to survive and, and again, stay happy, right? So it's not like all this pressure is on you, like everyone's looking at you. And that's a big fear that a lot of guys have, by the way, is, is uh, you know, if they go up to a woman and say hi to them, everyone's going to be looking at them. No one cares, right? No one cares. <laughs> and if they do, they're like, holy crap, like this guy's got some balls, 
they're like, why can't I do that? You know what I mean? So it's, it's really funny how, you know, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves, and really it's not that it's not as bad as we, as we make it out to be. Uh, so are, are you in a relationship currently? I'm not in a relationship currently. I was, I was a little bit ago for a, for a long time actually. And, and just recently actually broke up. So, so uh, did you get right back into the uh, dating scene? Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely dating now. I mean, as I should be being a dating coach. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of back in the, in the thick of it. Um, uh, so when, it, when you work with people, so well, actually that's another question. How, how do you typically work with people? I mean, do you, is it online programs or coaching or what do you, how do you, how does it work? Um, it used to, it, it changed. It used to be, I was doing a lot of coaching. Primarily the business was coaching men, taking them out into, you know, the field and having them approach women, taking them to bars, taking them out during the day, a little bit of phone coaching, answering their questions in terms of, you know, how we can help them get more dates. Now it's transformed into uh, creating courses for guys so I can get more information to more people. You know, I found that working one-on-one, it wasn't, you know, really scaling to the point where I could reach more people with the advice that I have and, and some of the stuff that I talk about. So at this point, it's, yeah, it's, it's online courses and you can, you can learn from them and also, you know, it's not just really just sitting there and learning, but it's more active. So there's homework, there's, there's, you know, things for you to do so you can start getting better at getting uh, more dates and attracting the kinds of women that you want. Awesome. So, uh, Tripp, the last question that I always like to ask in these interviews is, uh, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? To be more effective. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Well, my first one would be probably fail fast. Okay. I like that. Okay. So, um, I don't know if you've heard that one before. Uh, I'm sure you have. I have, but not on the show, actually. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, it's kind of more of a, I think it's more of a business term, if anything. Um, but I like to apply it really, I mean, to anything is that if you like, for example, with dating, right, is that if you go out and you get uh, rejected, like fine, like get as many rejections under your belt as possible, you know, go out and fail and fail and fail and fail. So you can start learning from mistakes. You know, if you go and, and you say, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to take it really slow and I'll kind of talk to one girl a day or one girl a week, you're not going to get anywhere. And a lot of guys do that because they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of failing and making mistakes. And I say, no, talk to as many people as you can fail faster so you can get better faster. That's really the key. So that's my first piece. Uh, being more effective. You know, Let's see. Another one would probably be, you know, you have to realize that when you're going out and you're putting yourself out there, and this is kind of related to what I was saying earlier in the fact that, you know, everyone is, is, is doing that. You know, it's like, we're all out there putting ourselves out there. And I think if you realize faster that everyone is, fragile we all have egos you know we all just are trying to to get by and be happy you know this can make you more effective because you can realize that everyone's kind of like you like we put everyone on pedestals we we assign values to people you know we think this person's better because they have more money or because they're better looking right and this is what is this going to do this is going to kind of make you slump down and really kind of just put you in a in a corner and, and, and you're not going to really get anywhere because you, you're looking at people like they're better or less than you. So I feel like you got to kind of put everyone on a similar plane as you so you can understand that we're all human, right? We're all just, we're all just normal people. And with that mindset, it might be just a little bit easier, hopefully just a little bit easier to go and put yourself out there. And again, that's, that's really almost in, in any light, you know, in anything that you're doing, I'm sure you probably, I don't know, applied something like that to when you do public speaking. Cause that's very, very tough for people. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah. So that was title, that's, right? It, that was number two. And, uh, let's see, number three, being more effective. You know, there's a quote that I think is one of my favorites that a coach taught me a few years ago. 
and and I and I really I don't know it's I don't know who said it. You can probably look it up online. Someone said it. I don't know if it was someone that famous, but it's a quote that I live by in terms of 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 really anything, and that's successful people do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. And the way that I've interpreted that is that, you know, if you really want to succeed in anything, you're going to have to take risks and you're going to have to work hard. A lot of people get very lazy and they don't want to put work into stuff. You know, a lot of people think it's really weird to put work into like meeting girls. Like, wait, what? I got to like learn stuff and I got to go out and do all these approaches. Why can't I just meet someone? Why can't it just happen to me? Right? Like, like everyone's owed something. Well, the thing is, is yeah, it, if it's not easy for you, well, you got to put work into it. You're going to have to do what most people are not willing to do. I mean, that was one thing that I did when I was first starting to get better at meeting women. I'd go out multiple nights a week and put myself through a series of rejections, right? So this is kind of related to the first thing I was saying about failing fast. And it's, and it's important to know that if you really want to get just awesome at anything, it's going to take hard work. Most people won't do that. And it's going to take failing and putting yourself out there and, and kind of reassuring yourself, you know what? Like the quote says, successful people are going to be doing what the unsuccessful people are not going to be doing. So you have to stand out. Even, even when that thing is failure, which I like. Exactly. Even when that thing is, you can't get anywhere without failure. I was talking to someone about this actually earlier today. It's like, you, it's part of it. Like you have to go through, through the, here's the deal. You're either going to go through some sort of emotional pain now in terms of getting rejected or failing or, or putting yourself out there and really just like going for it, right? Like there's risk and there's going to be some emotional pain there going through that. Okay. That's one option. The next option is settling, not going through that, beating that fear or doing the hard work. But what you're doing is you're just, you're just, um, basically waiting and prolonging this inevitable pain that's going to show up that shows up in sadness and depression and feeling unaccomplished. Right. So it's like, you're going to be settling on some level and not going through what you need to go through now in order to, to get where you want to be. So it's like you want to, so you got two options as far as I'm concerned. It's, I, I hate to be so binary about it, but it's like, you're going to do it now and, and, and get past whatever you need to get past and go for what you want to go for or settle and feel the pain later in life when you're like, why didn't I just do this or what's happening or why am I here now? Why haven't I just, you know, put my best foot forward and wasted all this time. So I think those yeah. are great. Those, those are great. So, uh, all right. So, Trip, where, where can people find out more about you and your programs? Sure. They can go to tripadvice.com. That's trip with two Ps. And you can see all the programs there. And I have a YouTube channel and Facebook and all that good stuff. But the big hub is right there at, at tripadvice.com where they can learn more about how they can succeed with women. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.